the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sport in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Mop and Financial Advisors, and Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino. Now, your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. That's right, folks. It's another fantastic Saturday afternoon here. Firing Line Radio Show. Philip Naiman coming to you. Having a great time this weekend with my new buddy over here to my right, your left, if you're playing along at home, Dave Street. Dave Street of D Street Gunsmithing, a.k.a. The Glock Doc. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I got your information, and I want to point this out to people out there. I got your information because you are good enough to be a sponsor for the West West End Gun Club in their newsletter. You pay for, pay for advertisement. You support the club. I thought, you know what? Let's have Dave on because he's supporting West End Gun Club. Great local club here. I think they have part-time memberships available also, but... Uh, you're supporting them. You get, we all have to stick together, support each other. So I thought I'd reach out to you and bring you on the show and let you talk about your fantastic business as uh, D Street Gunsmithing. Okay, well, just as an introduction, I I worked um, 30 years in law enforcement. Um, most of my career was with Riverside County Sheriff's Department as an investigator. And I was always uh, involved in uh, guns and gun competition Weston is a great place to compete. Weston Gun Club has great facilities and great people. Yeah, and weekly competitions. or You know, people get scared away when you hear the word competition and guns. It's a course. Go shoot the course. Exactly. Go have some fun. It's, you know, you're not Rob Latham. So leave the ego in the car and go out there and learn how to shoot and shoot quickly and enjoy the, enjoy the day. And that's what that those days are about. And it's invaluable training. As a deputy sheriff... I always wanted to practice tactics. And so I wasn't one of those guys that won the matches. But when I, I always won in terms of going there, practicing tactics, reloading, shooting on the move, taking cover, all those things that are really important for any uh, law enforcement officer or private citizen um, to get those skills down. And this is a great forum to do that. So I wasn't one of the... Uh, the guys that was winning the competitions, but in the end, I really was the winner because um, my ability to handle the gun and uh, function as an officer. Yeah, 30, 30 years of successful service, uh, still standing on two legs. Yes, you are the winner. Yes, I was. So thank you for your service on that. Thanks. Um, so you did some competition shooting uh, on the fun side, but you got the secondary passion in here to start working on firearms because of your background. You've enjoyed them. You've obviously, if you shoot enough, if you own enough weapons, sooner or later, you're going to look at them and say, you know, I wonder what this would be like if I did this or that. So how did that transition happen for you? Well, uh, I was a range master for years, so I got to 
Um, and I was also an instructor in in the firearms. You got, you got paid to play. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I always felt that it was really important to keep your gun running. And so I, I got involved, especially in maintenance of the guns, uh, my guns, because uh, I wanted those things to always be in perfect shape. They're gonna, they got to work the first time every time. When I retired, uh, I got into the gunsmithing business by going to factory schools initially and then taking uh, college courses uh, at um, American Gunsmithing Institute and last in college up in Susanville. So I got the formal education to be certified to actually work on different types of guns. And I have to tell you that modern guns um, are much easier to work on than the older guns because uh, the way they're built they're so precisely made, whereas the older uh, gunsmiths had to be machinists. They had to be people that could fabricate parts and they could, you know, temper them and cut them out and use lays and such. You were dealing with more handmade parts, handmade labor, uh, with something like a 1970 series Colt or or old Smith and Wesson a 66 or 29 or something of that nature, um, as opposed to now when we have more CNC machining and everything. Everything in a production line is going to be run off a CNC machine, which goes down to the all the way out to the millionth in sizes. So the replacement parts are all uniform. That's right. The holes they go in are all uniform. Right. How easy does that make your job? Well, I don't really consider myself a gunsmith. I consider myself an armorer. Okay. And what that means is that I can figure out the gun and figure out what the problems are, but when it comes to actually repairing the gun, I just simply take it apart put in the parts that need to be replaced, and then put it back together and run it. Now, you said uh, one of the comments was that you need your firearm to happen to action correctly, first time, every time. You know, one of the first combat courses I went and shot with uh, with the Falcon guys, I brought out different different firearms. And my, my favorite one to shoot, the one I was so proud of, was my SIG GSR, um, which is a 1911 it is a precise gun. It is tight. It's got great functionality. It is the most accurate forty-five I've ever owned. It did not like dirt at all. Yeah. So we're laying down there in urban prone, and urban prone is laying on your side, shooting behind something that's a simulated curb or underneath a car. You know, you're you're laying down as if you might have to in a combat situation in a city, and. What that means is that the side, the port side of my firearm was four to six inches off the ground. And I'm laying on my side firing. And every time that gun went off, big belch of smoke out the front end, action opens up, dust comes off the ground, whole handful of dirt goes into that action, and it slides shut on the next round. And then my beautiful SIG GSR, my, the love of my collection there, quit running. Is that right? Did you have a lot of oil on it? Uh, apparently not enough. Mm. But, <laughs> you know, when when you start having to hammer the back of your slide to, to close around, you're combat ineffective. And one of the things that I noticed on that line, because there's 26 of us out there shooting, my gun was having problems. Another guy with a 1911 was having problems. But all these guys with these Tupperware guns were running like crazy. Yeah. They didn't have the same issues. Yes, that's absolutely correct. You know... Uh, I, I'm a big uh, fan of the Glocks, but actually all the Palmer and Striker Fire weapons are, are 
fairly loose but very reliable. Mm-hmm. And the really tight guns, um, a lot of times, especially if you get them dirty, uh, they'll start to seize up. Uh, especially if you don't have them broken in, if uh, you, if they're not properly lubricated, I find that people tend to under lubricate, and so they their guns will seize up because they just aren't going to run in when they're dry, not very well if they're a tight gun. But Glocks, you can run those things dry, and they still run every time. Um, and that's true for the Springfield XDs and the others. You know, another thing about these polymer guns that a lot of people overlook is that that frame, if you watch it slow-mo, really flexes. Now, let's talk about a polymer gun. So, you know, I said Tupperware guns. You're saying polymer. What we're talking about is the frame on your pistol, a semi-automatic pistol, which is what a Glock is, or a 1911 is a semi-automatic also. The frame is the part where your hand goes. And I, and I know this might be a little over basic for some people, but there's a lot of people listening. So let's, sure. I, I have to break this down. Um, the frame is what your hand go- holds on to. The magazine's inserted through the hand grip. Uh, it's got your trigger housing group in it. It has rails on it that the top part of the gun slides back and forth. The top part being the upper holds your firing mechanisms. It holds your barrel. It holds your recoil spring. The frame, sli- it slides back and forth on the frame. So this frame, uh, in the mid-early 80s, I think Glock came out with the polymer frame. And people were freaked out because they thought it was plastic. You get an airplane with them. It's not a completely plastic gun. It is a high-density polymer frame, very tough. But it has metal uh, embedded in it because you have to have metal rails to ride the top upper part on it, correct? Right, the slide. Exactly. And so the, I guess the bottom line is that there's a lot of flex in these guns. And it actually absorbs quite a bit of the recoil. I, I was um, on the range teaching a class of uh, young officers. And one of the officers had a, a SIG P220, which is a 45. And he was shooting left. And so I'm working with him on grip and on stance and on pulling the trigger and such. And he continues to shoot left. And so he's starting to cry about, well, my sights are off. So I, I took his gun and I popped three into the head. And it wasn't the sights at all. It was just those things I was talking about, his style of shooting. And we worked more, and we got him in, in line. He did fine. But what I noticed when I was shooting his gun was that there was a lot of recoil. Now, a forty five has a certain amount of recoil. It's considered a fairly large round for a handgun. And this gun was going boom, boom. And I'm looking at this gun like, what's going on here? This is just a forty-five. It's not a big deal. But what had happened is I had gotten used to my Glock. I was, I was uh, carrying a Glock 21, which is a forty-five, mm-hmm. And that gun, I, I kid you not, had probably a third of... It, it reduced the recoil by a third. Okay. So, okay, folks, this is Fireline Radio Show. Philip Naiman here with Dave Street, D Street Gunsmithing. We'll be right back after this. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado 
Running Gun Club. Blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the Firing Line Radio Show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! That's right, folks. This is Philip Naiman here at Firing Line Radio Show. And there's no need to wait till Black Friday to get the Black Friday deals at Bullseye Sport. Their holiday deals are going on right now on small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammo, accessories, and so much more with name brands in stock like Beretta, Ruger, Winchester, Glock, and many more. If they don't have it, they're going to get it. Bullseye Sport welcomes all levels of shooting enthusiasts, especially ladies, considering firearms for the first time. Remember, November is Military Family Appreciation Month, and I want to thank everybody this week on Veterans Day for their service. But Bullseye Sport proudly salutes the men and women who have served this country and their families. Be sure to show your appreciation. A simple thank you goes a long way, but we should always do more. Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, where the Inland Empire gets its guns and ammo, on Brockton between Arlington and Central and Riverside. Tell them Philip Naiman sent you, and get a special discount there with Firing Line Radio Show. Find out more at bullseyesport.com, bullseyesport.com, or call 951-823-0211, 951-823-0211. Go there, be there, buy there, bring your money and leave it and go home happy. Anyway, um, I'm here. This is Philip Naiman here, Fine Line Radio Show, as I said before, here with Dave Street, uh, D Street Gunsmithing, a.k.a. the Glock Doc. Uh, that's been your moniker for years. But unfortunately, even though we're sitting here talking about Glocks, people have thought that you only deal with Glocks. Right, right. And that's the reason behind the name change. I just needs to, I, I was getting stereotyped. And I work on a whole series of guns nowadays, so I wanted to broaden my customer base. So maybe you should be the Glock Doc, the Springfield Doc, yeah. the uh, Smith & Wesson Doc, no? Maybe Absolutely. Okay. I, there isn't a gun I don't love. The HK Doc? I love the HKs, yeah. Very good. So um, we're talking about polymer guns, and uh, as we as we wrapped up the last segment here, your Model 21. Now, Model 21, for those of you who don't know, is a full-size, it really is a big gun. It's a full-size 45 semi-automatic Glock. It's got a 5-inch barrel. Yes. 5-inch barrel. Um, it holds up to, in, a, in free America, it holds up to 13 rounds. In uh, People's Occupied Republic of California, it holds 10. So it's double action. Yes, double action only. Yes. Right. And so what happens, what, what that means is you put your magazine loaded in the gun, you rack around, pull the slide back, release it, the gun is now cocked and ready to fire, and it is fully loaded. Yep. Upon pulling the trigger, in a safe manner, of course, upon pulling the trigger, the gun fires, the slide comes back from recoil, ejects the spent round, the springs in it, the recoil springs push the slide forward again, picking up a new round from the magazine, and now your gun is loaded. So one pull of the trigger, one fire, the gun reloads itself. That is a semi-automatic pistol. When you hear the media come out talking about these automatic pistols, 
they're idiots. They're just, they're idiots, okay? Um, Piers Morgan, idiot. As far as his gun IQ, moron. Um, all of them are absolute morons in, in, the, in the media press. So just listen to me. We'll get you straight through it. So tell us more about this Glock 21, which is a huge handle size gun because it has a staggered magazine of 45 ACP. It is. Yeah, it, it has a large grip. And actually, uh, Glock has tried to deal with that by going to what's called the Gen 4. Most of the guns out there right now, at least here in California, are going to be Gen 1, which is the late 80s, Gen 2, which is in the, in the 90s, and Gen 3, which is uh, all the way up to now. And then they came out with a Gen 4. But it, but unless you're in law enforcement only or find a used Gen 4, they're not available to sell for the public. Not for California. Right. here. Remember, we are in the People's Republic of Occupied California, run by Kamala Harris and Jerry the Moonbeam. So, yeah, we're in. And Gavin Newsom, God help us on that one. Um, so we have to deal with the Gen 3s for most of our listeners. That's correct. What's the difference between a Gen 3 and a Gen 4? There's a number of things. Uh, talking about grip size, they've actually uh, designed the gun so that you can put different back straps on the grip. On the Gen 4. On the Gen 4s and make the grip larger or smaller depending on your hand size. Well, see, my Gen 3 has that. It's called a rat tail file. We just <laughs> grind away some of the plastic till the handle fits the way I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see my 19. That's the way it is. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, um, one of the things that the trigger guard comes down very low on a handle. And if you have a high purchase, semi-automatic, when you're shooting a semi-automatic, and Dave, you're an instructor, help me out if I say this incorrectly, I prefer a very high grip on the semi-automatic. So the web of my hand is pressed up against the beaver tail, or whatever the back of the handle is. In doing so, my middle finger rubs on the bottom of the trigger guard. Right. So I have found that a half-inch diameter rat tail file tends to remove enough plastic on the bottom of that area that I can get a high purchase on my grip and not end up with a blister at the end of the day from shooting. And that's one of the advantages to a polymer grip is that they've been able to mold those grips so that you can get a higher purchase. You want to get as close to this, the barrel as possible to uh, basically eliminate what we call bark, where the gun will... The nose of the gun will flip up when you fire it. You want to control that weapon as best you can and keep it on target. So the higher you grip, the less bark and the straighter you can shoot and recover from recoil and, and shoot subsequent rounds. You know, one of the other things, that, it may be an optical illusion, but it looks to me that if you looked at the side profile of a Glock, it's higher in the back, lower in the front. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that not true? True. Okay, and that reason is? Because, again, because of the plastic construction, they've been able to push up that back beaver, beaver tail higher so that it's closer, aligns closer to the bore of the barrel. So it aligns directly behind the barrel. If That's the best place. You, you can't really do that on a semi-automatic because the slide has to be able to come back and function. But you can get almost right under that slide as it functions back, and that's an advantage. You you look at other guns and other gun designs like a SIG 220, and they tend to have a lot of bark because mm -hmm. your grip is actually lower, so you're not as close to that bore line of the barrel, and it tends to flip more, flip back as you fire. 
The other thing I, I've noticed is if people take a low grip on their Glock, mm -hmm. they're chronically shooting low um, because the nose tends to come way down on it. So, again, the gun is designed for proper hand placement. And proper hand placement means the web of your hand is as high up on that grip as possible. And the second thing you want to always um, do when shooting a Glock is you kind of want to stiffen your wrist. You kind of want to roll it forward and stiffen it so that the slide has something to work against. Yeah, no Nancy grips. No, no. If you, what, what does a Nancy grip mean? My gun's not feeding. I'm stove piping. It's barely ejecting. I need a, I need a weaker recoil spring because my gun's not ejecting far enough. Yeah. No, you need to man up. You can actually <laughs> malfunction your gun. With a weak wrist. With a weak wrist. That's why guns are illegal in San Francisco. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? <laughs> Anyway, we're moving on from that one. I, but it, it's, it is true. You can have a malfunction, and uh, you have to have control of your weapon. That's right. So a good firm grip, a really stiff wrist are all going to contribute to good fire control, good control of the recoil, and staying on target. Okay. So tell us about the trigger mechanism of the Glock. Well, a Glock is what's called... Basically, it's called a half-cock double action. That's what I call it. And that what sounds the, like something you'd order at that Starbucks. That's right. With a latte with twist. fries. Yeah. No, no fries at Starbucks. That's a big deal. But a half-cock half double action. Um, what, ends, what ends up really happening cinnamon. is you have a firing pin that's, that's it gets its uh, power to ignite the primer on the ammunition from a spring. So when you pull the trigger, you're actually doing two things at once. You're actually loading up the spring tension so it has enough power to ignite that ammunition and hit the primer and ignite the round. And you're also pushing a firing pin block out of the way so that that firing pin can go forward and, again, ignite the primer. This is a modern gun design much better than past designs in that that firing pin block makes that gun... The only way that that gun's going to go off is if you pull the trigger. Now, in the past, we've had guns and, and prior gun designs, like a, a Series 70 1911 or a first-generation Smith & Wesson Model 59, some of these older guns in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, where if you drop that gun, there was a possibility that gun was going to go off. Mm -hmm. Or even a revolver. True. Um, on some of the old Smiths or Colts, when you look, when you pull the hammer back, you've got this wicked-looking pin yes. that literally goes through the frame and hits the primer itself, so direct contact on there. Right. Some of the, especially the single-action cowboy guns, if you were to drop those, especially on the hammer, there's a potential where that gun could go off, and that's why the, the cowboys would typically only carry five rounds in the mm -hmm. cylinder, not six, because the round that was under the hammer... They would leave that cylinder empty so that you well, didn't accidentally... Wouldn't be empty. They'd put a $5 bill in it so they could afford to get buried if they shot themselves. <laughs> Folks, Firing Line Radio Show will be right back here at Dave Street, D Street Gunsmithing, theglockdoc.com. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. 
They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use-of-force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. Hi folks, Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. There's no need to wait until Black Friday to get Black Friday deals at Bullseye Sport. Their holiday deals are going on right now. Small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammo, accessories, and so much more. With name brands in stock like Beretta, Ruger, Winchester, Glock, and many more. If they don't have it, they'll get it. Bullseye Sport welcomes all levels of shooting enthusiasts, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. And remember, November is Military Family Appreciation Month. Bullseye Sport proudly salutes the men and women who served this country and their families. Be sure to show your appreciation. Simple thank you goes a long way, but we can always do more. Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo, where the Inland Empire gets its guns and ammo on Brockton between Arlington and Central in Riverside. Tell them Philip Naiman sent you. Find out more at bullseyesport.com, bullseyesport.com, or call 951-823-0211, 951-823-0211, 951-823-0211. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range and CCW Safe. Spartans! Lay down your weapons! Persians! Come and get them! It's another happy Mulan Labe Saturday, folks. Firing Line Radio Show, Philip Naiman. Check us out at our website, firinglineradio.com. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you knew this, Dave. I'm here with Dave Street from uh, D Street Gunsmithing, the Glock Doc, a.k.a. theglockdoc.com. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but if you go to our website, firinglineradio.com, you can click on the little SoundCloud window in there, and you can register to get the podcast sent to you. So you can go out and you could shoot three gun competitions on Saturday and still get the show. Sunday mornings, you could be at church and still get the show. Now, although this show is undoubtedly the most important thing in most people's lives during the week, uh, and I fully recognize that, uh, but one of the things that we do is when we get giveaways, little known secret, is I usually look through who's subscribing to the podcast when I have to give something away. So I would just say, if you want a, a good chance to get something like, oh, Polycase Ammunition or Safari Club gift cards or, you know, some of the other great things that we have, um, I would be subscribing to that podcast. I, you know, if it was me, I think I would do that because that's your really your only chance. And if you don't like those rules, go listen to uh, CNBC. I don't care. Anyway, so, so check out our podcast, FiringLineRadio.com and on Facebook we're pretty active with that junk and Facebook Firing Line Radio Show uh, like us and uh, we do have some stuff going on on that too anyway so your website is theglockdoc.com yes sir but you don't just work on Glocks right okay now this last section we talked about we're coming out we're talking about the trigger mechanisms and the safeties that are involved with modern firearms uh, the first session we talked about how nice modern firearms are because with modern machining techniques, things are uniform all the way around, which makes your life a lot easier. That's correct. Yes. So um, what would you recommend? Say somebody went and bought 
I don't know, a, a Glock 17. Um, oh, you know what? Glock 17, 19, 18s, if you can find them. Um, <laughs> you know, 19, 20, 21, 22. These all have different meanings, okay? The Glock, each of these numbers on a Glock is a different style of gun. Can be a different, it can be the same style, different caliber, but they were in order of invention. That's correct. Glock, right? Right. Yeah, the, I guess uh, Gastrom Glock actually had a manufacturing plant in Austria, and he was making military equipment pots. Hagel, Hagel. What's that? Hagel, Hagel. Yeah. He's from Austria. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's quite a character. Anyway, he was making other manufacturing other things, and he decided that he was going to compete in the bid for providing uh, handguns to the Austrian army. So he came up with, him and a number of engineers came up with this design in the uh, early 80s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he won that bid. And then he just went international, is my understanding. So the Glock 17 was his first one, which is a full-size 9mm. That's right. And it's gotten a little hazy, but the way it normally works is you have three sizes for each caliber. So a Glock 17 is a 9mm full-size. A Glock 19 is a 9mm compact. A Glock 26 is a 9mm subcompact. And all three of these have double-stacked magazines. They all three shoot 9mm. They're just different sizes depending on your application. And the sizes are a shorter barrel and a shorter handle, a shorter grip. So the Glock 26, I mean, you've got one, maybe two fingers off the gun. Yeah, it's tiny, and it's easy to conceal. Easy to conceal, hard to shoot. You know, most people cheat Without a little a lot bit. Of practice. Yeah, they get the magazine that sticks out anyway. That's right. What they do is they put a little extension on the bottom <laughs> of the mag and so you can hold it. So then what's the difference between that and the 19? If exactly. You forget to increase your size. Right. Um, so, And it does the same thing with 45s. That's right. They have the full size is called the Glock 21. The, the compact is called the Glock 23. And then the subcompact is called the Glock 27. Now... Things have gotten a little more confusing since then because they've come up with, they're responding to market demands, and they've come up with new, uh, different size guns. For example, in, um, I think it was 2012, Glock produced the Glock uh, 42, which is a 380, and it's single stack, and it's a real small gun. Oh, single stack, double stack. What am I talking about there? Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm in gunnies again. Um, Your magazine... Not the clip, but the magazine holds the bullets for your semi-automatic pistol. Right. Uh, the way that it is loaded, a double stack magazine does not mean that two bullets are side by side, but they're staggered. One, staggered, yeah. One on the right, one on the left, and it it allows you to have a higher capacity or a normal capacity in the same amount of vertical space. Right. So instead of only being able to fit eight forty fives, you can get ten forty fives in that same vertical space, allowing more firepower for the user. The downside to that is you're going to have to have, by physics, a wider magazine, and a wider magazine means a wider grip. You can't get a really wide magazine and a really narrow grip. It's just not going to work. That's like parking your motorhome in your garage. So the single stack, what they're talking about is each of the rounds is vertically stacked on top of each other. And you kind of run out of vertical room in a magazine after eight or nine rounds. 
You just unless you want to have an extended magazine, which would defeat the purpose of having a thinner gun for concealment purposes. Yes. Yeah. And so in response to the market, which is going more and more towards concealed carry, Glock has started to produce really small guns. The forty two is a three eighty, very small gun, single stack, six rounds. The forty three is about the same size, but it's a nine millimeter. And I have to correct myself, you know, I was talking about the forty five, the twenty one is the full size. It's the thirty that's the sub the compact. Yeah. And then the 36 is the subcompact. I, I was letting you slide on that. All oh, thanks, man. Okay. <laughs> oh, we forgot the 20. I mean, you want to talk about an absolutely awesome pistol. The Glock 20 is a 10 millimeter. Right. And it is, it's got more firepower than a 45. Yes. Um, by, by a big shot. And it can have a higher capacity in free America than a 45 caliber just because you can fit more in a. The diameter is smaller, so you can add more in the same given space in your magazine. But that 10 millimeter is an absolutely awesome, awesome hunting or defense round. Yep, it's basically the same ballistics as a 41 mag revolver, which is a, a great, great round. Also, now that was designed. Maybe you know the story by the for the FBI. The 10, yes, yeah. designed for the FBI, but because there was too many. Um, Weak-wristed shooters in the FBI. They had to go down to the. They had to go down to the forty. That's you know. That's what the DEA was telling me, and they were saying that that's what happened with the FBI. They had to go down to a forty because you know they were crying. But anyway, it, it's, it's a story I hear. I hear these things all the time. I don't know, but you know, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> You're not touching that one, no sir. <laughs> anyway. Um, so that's the 10 millimeter is an awesome round. A shortened 10 millimeter with less power is the 40. Yes, that's correct. They just simply reduce the length of the case and they same, wanted same bullet, less power. Yes. But they wanted to get the, uh, what they wanted to make sure that it was a good stopping round when you use it for self-defense. So they wanted to get a certain velocity out of that, but that was hard to do with a shorter case and normal powder they tended to put a faster burning powder in the 40 caliber which means that it has a sharper recoil frankly I, i've always found the 40s to be more of a challenge to shoot than a, even a 45 talk about bark they're, they're obnoxious almost oh yeah they're very sharp and uh they a bit of a shock you know to shoot those guns and it takes a lot of practice to be proficient yeah. Okay, so uh, we were talking about the differences in the Glock and the Glock design, um, but it's striker-fired as opposed to hammer-fired. What's a hammer-fired gun? A revolver is a hammer-fired gun. A uh, Smith & Wesson, uh, a Colt 1911 or any 1911 pattern, you see the exposed hammer that slides forward and hits either the transfer bar or the firing pin um, to fire the gun. That's exposed hammer. Striker-fired are all internal. That's correct, and they use a spring to propel the firing pin forward to hit the primer and initiate the round. And as you were saying before, part of the trigger pull on a striker-fired gun is loading that spring. That's right. And oftentimes you will find an egregious trigger in a striker-fired gun. It seems like you have to pull them harder and longer because it's doing more work than in a uh, single action like a 1911, which is simply releasing the firing pin. That's right. That's why that... 
typically a, 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 a striker fire gun, and it's not just the Glocks. It's the Springfield XDs. It's right. the uh, SIG 320s. Um, they feel a little spongy. They're not as crisp as a 1911 or as a revolver. Single action revolver is a very crisp round, you know, trigger. Absolutely. So they tend to be a little spongy, but that's just the nature of that action. That it's kind of hard to avoid that. Right, folks. This is Firing Line Radio Show. I'm here with Dave Street, D Street Gunsmithing, the GlockDoc.com. We're out of time on another segment, and we'll be right back after this. Are you in the firearms industry, a law enforcement or military background, or just a gun enthusiast with a desire to train others to develop firearm knowledge and skills? Become an NRA certified instructor in pistol, rifle, and shotgun with training at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. Classes are now being offered. This training is not available everywhere, and all training is done in-house. To preserve our gun rights, all gun owners need to be properly trained. More certified NRA instructors are needed to train. Train the multitude of new gun owners in proper gun safety and training. Become a certified NRA instructor. Call Riverside Indoor Shooting Range for information about the courses being offered and enroll today. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the place for you. Whether you're an expert marksman or you've never shot a gun but want to learn, call the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. 951-353-0001. 951-353-0001. 951-353-0001. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the Firing Line Radio Show is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and by Moppin Financial Advisors. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Well, I hope you're being entertained, folks. I also hope you're being informed. This is Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out, FiringLineRadio.com or on Facebook, Firing Line Radio Show. And, uh, you know, we've had a great show here talking with Dave Street or D Street Gunsmithing, the Glock Doc. But we're going to switch switch gears a little bit. I'm, I'm picking up with Sean Brady. Sean Brady is a lead attorney with Michelle and Associates out of Long Beach. He does a lot of things for Second Amendment. I've seen him at the Hunter's Rights Symposiums. Uh, I've seen him at lots of different events. He is out there on the front lines in the legal battles supporting Second Amendment and Hunter's Rights. And so I'm glad to have him on the show here with us. Uh, Sean, how are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Um, well, thank you for all that you do, and I, I mean that. Your entire firm down there, uh, Joe Silvoso, Chuck Michelle, love to have them on the show, and love the fact that they're out there doing fighting the good fight. Well, it's our pleasure, and it's uh, you know people who contribute to the NRA and California Rifle and Pistol Association that make that work possible. So right. thank you all. Now you're fighting a good fight right now down in Long Beach. I understand. Uh, indeed, we are. Uh, dealing with a, a issue that is not unique to Long Beach by any means. It appears to be becoming, uh, you know, an epidemic in, in uh, throughout the entire country, but especially here in Southern California um, and, and uh, you know, Long Beach and the surrounding uh, cities in, in Orange County, Northern Orange County and <clears throat> in the uh, Southern L.A. County are, are facing uh, a, an infiltration of urban coyotes that are uh, you know, basically uh, having the run of the place. Are you talking about smugglers from south of the border? No, that's an issue uh, that uh, San Diego has more of a problem with, I believe, but in uh, Imperial County. But here, no, we're talking about the furry, cute little critters that uh, get get uh, outdone by roadrunners. Um, you know, and and uh, you know, they seem to have 
um, at least uh, pulled at the heartstrings of, of some folks who see them as cute little cuddly creatures. And they are definitely impressive critters, but they are, at the end of the day, predators. And um, they do what predators do, and that is uh, find a source of food that's the easiest, way, uh, most accessible, most abundant uh, source, and they go after it until they're told no. And uh, the only way predators are told no, obviously, is with predation of them. Uh, but some people don't see it that way, and um, they've been. There's been uh, uh, an outcry by, uh, you know, a- radical animal rights groups like uh, the Humane Society of the United States. Not to be confused with your local Humane Society animal shelter, which actually does uh, work of protecting animals. Uh, yes, yeah, so the H- US. The HSUS. HSUS. So that stands for the Hypocritical Society of Urban Snobs. That's the one you want to watch out for. HSUS. Watch out for them. They are not the pet shelter people. They are the um, radical environmentalists who uh, are RICO indicted or convicted. RICO convicted people (laughs) who like to hide $50 million offshore in the Cayman Islands. That's who you're dealing with, okay? Um, That's right. Not only. Go ahead. Uh, not only do they uh, not protect, um, you know, cats and dogs like people believe they do when they give them money, uh, they're working against those interests. Um, you know, what we have going on in Long Beach is on a nightly basis, people's pets are getting plucked right off leashes when people take them out to walk, out of their backyards, uh, not too far away from Long Beach and Seal Beach and Irvine. There's been instances of coyotes entering people's homes and snatching pets right off uh, couches, um, biting kids uh, inside homes. Um, so, you know, this is, this is not some, uh, you know, um, issue that, uh, you know, of, of coexistence, that, as the other side tries to say, and that we just need to haze. They, they have this, um, you know, belief, the, the, the radical environmentalists and, and animal rights groups are saying, oh, well, we need to coexist. You just need to haze these animals. Well, coyotes aren't dumb. They're actually very, very impressive, smart critters, and they figure out really quick, well, you know, this old lady shaking a can of pennies at me isn't going to hurt me. And and it's, you know, (laughs) going to be real easy to just snatch her her free meal on a leash that she just served up to me. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a fantasy, and it's not supported by any science. To the contrary, all the experts. Let's talk about the science here, because Rex Baker, I actually know him. Uh, I met him at Cal Poly back in the early 90s. Um, excellent scientist, something that the HSUS does not agree with. But scientists, they came out with a study that talked about the depredation. And, and uh, one of the articles they talked about was an incident that happened at Griffith Park. Griffith Park in the late 90s, where a baby was grabbed by... Uh, coyotes and drug into the bush after that had been reported numerous, numerous times of aggressive coyotes. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah. I mean, how could you forget? And then you know there was a, there was a lot of hubbub around that uh, particular incident. Um, uh, and you know, unfortunately, I think that it's going to take how another one solved? of those. How, how was it solved? Oh, they went and uh, um, eradicated about. 20 plus uh, coyotes in the surrounding area, I believe. Right. And I should be careful using the word eradicate because I, I, I don't personally, and you know, I'm no, I'm not Rex Baker, I'm no scientist, um, uh, but I, I'm not so sure that it is the numbers or the presence of coyotes that are, are the problem. It's their behavior. 
they're running amok because nobody's telling them otherwise. Um, I think that in the places where they have um, cold a few, um, the other ones have learned their lesson. And so I think that that's, you know, what it's going to take. But at bare minimum, uh, you know, cities like Long Beach and uh, the surrounding areas need to understand that uh, hazing, so-called hazing, is a, is a complete invention by uh, uh, the HSUS and Project Coyote. It has no basis in, um, in, in science. It, it's wholly fabricated. And for whatever reason, these municipalities have, have bought into a hook, line, and sinker and sort of uh, ignore uh, the, the real experts uh, with PhDs next to their name who have, who have peer-reviewed published studies and papers on, you know, coyote behavior for yeah. decades. But apparently those guys don't know what they're talking about. Right. Facts Some don't person matter. changed their name to uh, Peter Coyote knows better than them. Well, facts don't matter. It's how you feel about it. Yeah, Peter Coyote, wonderful person. Yeah, I hear this often from people about, well, we're in their land, okay? Um, they were here first. It's like, okay, well, I always have to bring up this question. And those of you listening and playing along at home, here's what you ask somebody who has that. Do you have a can of ant spray at your house? Because I'm willing to bet ants were where your house is first. Now, why would you draw the line about ants? You know, you, everybody does not want a house full of ants. Well, you don't want a backyard full of coyotes. You don't want a neighborhood where where chihuahuas are getting pulled off. Early. Well, maybe chihuahuas, but nothing else um, getting pulled off of leashes. <laughs> yeah, cats get eaten, a big deal. But, you know, you, you, you know, I'm all your cat lover here, Dave. Anyway, so um, I'm being well, facetious, yeah, on a similar obviously. note. Yeah. yeah, on a similar note, I mean, people say, oh, well, we need to protect nature. This is, the reality is people need to live somewhere in cities, you know, uh, or, or do they just want us all to go away? Uh, if that's the, the case, then I'll follow their lead. Uh, HS, you know, HSUS first. does want people to go away. I mean, Jerry Brown. Exactly. Jerry, exactly. But the, 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 the general public doesn't, right? I mean, everybody realizes that humans have to live somewhere, and, and everybody wants to respect nature. We all do. Um, but there's nothing natural about coyotes living among people, going into their homes. That is not a natural uh, you know, uh, uh, conduct by by coyotes. They they should be and generally are in nature afraid of people, uh, and here they're exhibiting uh, unnatural behavior, and it needs to be it needs to be uh, corrected. Yeah, small or people small, are going to get hurt. Small kids, pets, animals, they're on the menu, and they are opportunistic. Um, you know, it's just the same reason as if you had a house cat that weighed sixty five pounds. He would eat you while you were asleep. That's what they do. The only reason people can have domesticated cats is they're no more than 20 pounds. But if a cat weighed 60 pounds, it would be taken out humans because it would be able to. That yeah. They are natural predators. Yeah, be called a tiger. Yeah, and be called a mountain lion because there's no yeah. difference between a house cat and a mountain lion except for size. So let me ask you, is there a threat of rabies from these animals? Uh, there is, but it's it's fairly remote. I, you know, there there's other diseases though that uh, have been uh, that they've been fighting. I believe in uh, Arizona, and there have been cases in California. I, the, the name and the and the symptoms of it uh, eludes me at the moment, but it is transferable to to dogs, yeah. you know, and other pets, which you know, so they Sean mingle with Sean. In the last thirty seconds here, what should people be doing? 
Well, people should be uh, telling their municipalities that they have a coyote issue to reject the uh, Humane Society of the United States um, and, and Project Coyote's campaign to misinform uh, the, their municipalities to believe that hazing is the uh, the proper way to address the coyote issue, and that uh, this lie that they've been pushing that if you if you uh, cull a few coyotes that you're going to get more. I mean, I I, I, I went to law school because I I don't do math very well, but you know, less does not equal more. Um, and coyotes get the picture. They don't they don't say, oh well, there's less of us. Let's Let's breed more. They're, they're opportunistic. They will move on to other areas as we push them out. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. There goes a coyote right now. Sean, I want to thank you. Thank you for all that you do. And uh, folks, Firing Line Radio Show, check us out online. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sport in Riverside. The Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. CCW Safe. Mop and Financial Advisors, and Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.